Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Catholic Connect podcast. Hey, I'm so glad you tracked us down, and I hope you're having a blessed day wherever you may be in the Universal Church. Well, in just a moment, Hudson Biblo, all the way from Saskatchewan. Well, it's not that far from Wild Rose Country here in Alberta, but Hudson's going to join us to talk about chastity and living a life of purity in whatever vocation that God has given to us, especially in light of this recent document that came out from the Vatican called Fiducious Supplicants. That has been causing well, some some angst and maybe some confusion in uh, among some members of the church today. And there sure seems to be a lot of online feuding over this. And, and of course, that's not from God. God is not the author of confusion. God is the author of peace. So we've got to remember that. And it's a good time for us to remember that we need to live life in a state of grace and go to confession often, not just once every couple of years, not even once a year. you got to go... I've at least for me, I've got to go at least once a month. Sometimes I'll even go every two or three weeks if I need to. And remember, if even if you don't have any mortal sin on your soul, which I hope you never spend any of your time living life in a state of mortal sin, but even those venial sins, they can accumulate and uh, they can lead us down the road to a more serious mortal sin. So even if we're just confessing some of our venial sins when we go to confession, well, confession, that is the conduit of grace that God has given us through the uh, the hands of the priest that can help us to avoid sin in the future and to live a life of virtue. It's just uh, just so vital and so important that we go to confession often. So one of the seven virtues is, of course, chastity. And St. Francis de Sales, one of the amazing saints of our church, a part of the communion of saints, and he can intercede for us. What a great saint that he was. And uh, he has this to say about chastity. He says, chastity is the lily of virtues and makes men almost equal to angels. Everything is beautiful in accordance with its purity. Now the purity of man is chastity, which is called honesty, and the observance of it, honor and also integrity, and its contrary is called corruption. In short, it has this peculiar excellence above the other virtues that it preserves both soul and body fair and unspotted. End quote from St. Francis de Sales. Timely words from a great saint to remind us about this great virtue of chastity and something that we're called to live whatever our vocation is in our lives. So it was a great honor to catch up with Hudson Biblo again. And I had to chuckle because I think it was the day of our chat that we recorded. I actually was at a Catholic bookstore in Edmonton. And whose CD did I see at the Lighthouse Media CD rack? But Hudson Bibble, right in the middle. So that was really cool to see that. And he's got a lot of great talks that you can track down through his website. And uh, you could go through Lighthouse Media and other great interviews and talks that he's done on YouTube. Just go track him down anywhere. So we had him on last year and we had a great reception and had a lot of fun chatting with him about the virtues of chastity. And he's joining us again to talk about this very important virtue in the church that we can all practice more and a little bit about this document from the Vatican. We'll see you on the other side of the interview, my friends. Praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. Well, Hudson Biblo is an international speaker and he goes to various conferences, youth events across North America. He's written many articles for various Catholic publications on the church's teachings on human sexuality. We're so glad to bring him back, another good Saskatchewan guy. So welcome back to Hudson Biblo, to the Catholic Canuck podcast. It's a pleasure to be, to be back here. Thanks a ton. Yeah, thanks, Hudson. And you know, we got a chance to meet in person. I wish we had a little bit more time. We probably should have snapped the photo and I could have put it on 
social media to prove that it actually happened. But uh, uh, you were at the Family Life Conference here in the Archdiocese of Edmonton last July long weekend, so the Canada Day weekend, and yep. you gave some talks there. So how did that go? That was uh, I was that, that's a big event for people that don't know because we have a lot of international listeners. Usually it gets you know like two, three, sometimes even four thousand people come out. It's uh, an open air type shrine. There's, um, well, I should say there's a roof over it, but it's uh, it's got open walls, I guess would be the best way to put it. And uh, and and most people come and camp at this. Probably 90, 90 95% of the people come and camp with their families. It's actually a real interesting event. Uh, but uh, yeah, how did it go for you, Hudson? What did you present on there? And, and uh, yeah, tell us about maybe some of the good fruits that you saw from that. Sure. I, I love that conference and I've never seen anything like it, not on that scale anyway. Um, but yeah, the first time I was there, I saw the crutches on the walls because there was like miraculous healings and stuff like yes. that. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, just even on December 30th this year, I saw miraculous healings. Uh, God is at work. He is alive. And, you know, if we need to have the faith to move mountains and raise the dead and, you know, healing a little thing on the body or healing someone's color blindness or healing an ailment. Uh, what's that to God, right? Just a, a way for him to say, Hey guys, <laughs> your faith has made you well. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> Back to the conference. Uh, it was great. I gave a talk um, just, you know, testimony plus a little bit what I learned along the way, just expressing the freedom that I've discovered in pursuing a heart for Jesus, which includes a heart of growing in the virtue of chastity and actually understanding, like, finally, like, the church's understanding of chastity in that it's a proposal for all people, regardless of state in life, uh, including marriage. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean abstinence. It doesn't mean celibacy. Those are language. Like, the language needs to be clear, you know. And just but just kind of walking through how that has really brought me to a place of greater peace, joy, hope, love and freedom. And um kind of like set me free in a sense of feeling burdened by this idea that, Hey, being gay is who you are, who you forever have to be. (laughs) And all like the, the, the dream crushing thoughts that that's included in that, like, Oh, you know, you're automatically excluded from being a husband and father and silly lies like that, that are so easy to believe. Um, So yeah, it was great to just kind of like, share the story of how God has kind of worked in my life to get me to the point of just being open to God's possibilities, like looking outside the box. You know what I mean? Like the whole, the whole pride movement and stuff is like, you know, you have to be this, this is who you are. And it's like, I'm done with that. See you later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And sometimes boiled down to these little catchphrases like love is love. Right. And 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 no one really seems to want to take the time to really delve into what the Catholic Church is trying to say. What is Jesus trying to say to me? What is the Holy Spirit trying to say to me? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you've taken that time to do that and to to discern that. But a lot of people don't. And when they see, you know, the teachings of the church and maybe how the church moves when it comes to, to sexuality, um, I think some people just get really confused and then they're just like, man, I don't, I don't know if I really want to take the time to learn this. It, it seems too deep for me. So how do, how do we get people maybe over that hump? Uh, well, I can understand that it could be even scary for some people to cross over because sure. this, these types of topics are highly emotionally driven sometimes. 
And, you know, not everybody is just revving to get into a, a fight and they want to make sure they've got, you know, relationships balanced in their family and stuff. And so it's just tough. So it's like, how do you approach this? Um, so one of the things that I found to be helpful is just, it, it involves like a shifting of mindset right from the get-go. So what happened for me was that I, you know, I pursued mathematics. That's kind of part of my story of finding Catholicism of all things, but it got me really understanding that the, the church also upholds truth, like mathematics reflects truth, right? Yes. But so too objective church. truth, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So too does church teachings. It object there's objective truths upheld, and then I was able to further kind of flesh this out and say, wait a second, there there truly are types of teachings that are related to pastoral things, like how we ought to behave with one another, um, like pastorally. Um, but there are also teachings specifically related to what God has authored into creation. And those teachings are literally the church saying, aha, here is something that is true about what is God, authored, God has authored into creation, and we are going to uphold this truth. And that really kind of got me seeing things differently because um, it helped me understand why, you know, the church would say, say, like, we don't have, the church doesn't have the authority or the power to change this teaching or, or to bless sin, for example, it's because the church doesn't have the authority to, to declare that what has been revealed as truth is suddenly somehow false. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like it's like the church can't say two plus three is 19 and the, the church can't do that because two plus three has already been revealed to be five. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but this is, it was really helpful for me to realize this because I had to, you know, early on, I didn't really understand what sin was, right? So I'm like, what is sin? And and one of the, you know, as you open your heart to the wisdom of the church, you, you accept some of the proposals of the church in terms of what, how to define such terms. And um, one of the definitions of sin has to do with it being a rejection of truth. And so I'm like, okay, well, there's also truths written into creation. And so if I reject the truths that are written into creation, specifically into human sexuality, then that's the church would view that as a sin. And I mean, the whole reason, the whole rationale about like, do, could I trust the church to define such things to begin with? That's the bigger thing. I think that needs to be talked about is like, why do some people not trust the magisterium of the church? Why do people not trust what's in the catechism? Um, I do trust that. I do trust the, the church is the moral authority. Um, but I, but I'm going to be very careful. I, 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 when he, people hear the word church, I mean, there's like the people of the church, the building of the church, the church is the communion of saints and angels in heaven. And then there's the church of the spotless bride of Christ. And I'm thinking like, okay, who is the church? What weight, when the exorcist brings in the weight of the church, the authority of the church in an exorcism, um, that's the church of the true spotless bride of Christ, catechism 789 and 796. Um, I'm like, okay, I, I am not an exorcist. And I trust, I do believe that that stuff is real. And because of that, I know that if the exorcist is relying on the weight of the church of the true spotless bride of Christ, then so should I. It's really that simple. And so, well, the, the teachings of this church, then I should also accept wholeheartedly. And that's why I have no problem like accepting what's in the, the catechism. But the catechism talks about sin being a rejection of truth. So I'm like, well, Okay, if I'm rejecting um, certain aspects of uh, 
what God has written into human sexuality, namely the physiological complementarity of male, female, then that's a sin. And it's like, okay, it is what it is. Right. And so the real question is why would I want to pursue that if I know that it's counter to what, what God has lovingly authored into creation to begin with. And that was the real question, like in terms of like the transformation of my own desires um, that occurred, you know, um, the transformation of my desires began to occur as I began to see that I could love God more profoundly if I simply strived to uphold his artwork, <laughs> what, he wrote into, what he wrote into into the world, right? And so, um, you know, chastity, um, chastity meaning like successful integration of my sexuality is is simply upholding the truths that God wrote into human sexuality. And so it's it's... That's where I'm at now here. And uh, I kind of forget the question you asked. I just kind of went on a little tear there. <laughs> no, I think that's, that's perfect. You know, it's, uh, it, we be kind of become our own magisterium, our own Pope. And I mean, you think of, of Protestantism and that's where they ran into to issues 500 years ago and they just keep on accumulating today. And, you know, there's examples and I'm sure our listeners would know there's examples of the towns and in cities where you have a Protestant congregation where all of a sudden you have a disagreement of some sort and it splits. And then five years later, maybe those two congregations, they have some sort of disagreement within and they split again. So all of a sudden you started with one and now you got four or five different congregations. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, sometimes it's all over. It could be over some very basic tenets of morality or values or whatever they're, they're achieving or trying to achieve. But it, you know, the bottom line is that there is an objective truth and we need to find that and we need to have authority to, to help us with that. And we know that because the root, the, um, we can trace the beginnings of the Catholic church back to Jesus Christ himself and in him passing the keys along to, of course, our first Pope Peter, and then, uh, you know, onwards throughout all the centuries, it it makes it, it's, it feels, it feels good. It feels very reassuring, I guess, is maybe the best way to put it. And, us in our state of life uh, and most of the listeners that uh, that are going to be tuning into this podcast you know the um the the leadership of the church is called to pass along the deposit of faith over and over again that's why it's great to have the catechism because we have text that we can refer to of course we have the bible but we also have the magisterium and it's uh, that's so important you had a point there Hudson oh yeah yeah i got to tell you something totally crazy that i've learned in the last little while let's say is that, you know, I just took it for granted that uh, a faithful Catholic would would take the teachings of the catechism, that are, sorry, the teachings of the church, or rather truths upheld by the church, um, and be like, yeah, this is, uh, this is what our faith teaches, and we should uh, believe this. But I'm learning, it's, I've learned that people, they're like, they think that, um, okay, because it, it is true that there are certain documents that have varying level of authority. For example, like a, a local bishop's pastoral letter or that addresses some procedure is obviously different than like a statement from like a, a, on a doctrinal level. Because of those differences in authority that certain church documents have, there are people who run with that idea to the point of saying, well, the catechism therefore is actually not authoritative. And so you can actually like, you know, pick and choose the things that you don't want to follow in the catechism. Like, I mean, it might be good for some people, but uh, you know, it's, it's really not binding because there's varying levels of uh, different authoritative documents. 
And they literally give themselves permission to reject pieces of the catechism while give, being under the illusion that they're actually being faithful to the church. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And I've been talking like on 10 years on this topic of LGBTQ stuff and other related things to human sexuality. And like it, th- that has been the most shocking thing is that, is that, is, is, is just this, this conclusion that <laughs> because there's varying levels of authority in different documents, the catechism can be brushed aside because it, you know, it just might not work for someone that I think that's predicated by someone's uh, misuse of the word conscience where they, they think they're following their conscience, but it actually seems to be a, a caving into their attachments. Mm. Oh, that's, yeah, that's important. That's an important point right there. And that goes up to high levels as well. And, you know, unfortunately, and I, I, you know, if anybody wants, you know, commentary on, you know, specifically on the theological points of uh, a document I wanted to run by, that is the fiducia supplicans, right? That's the one that a lot of people in the church are talking about. And that's the topic of blessings in the church. But it kind Mm -hmm. of boiled down to basically one point of blessing, and that would be what they call irregular unions. Uh, and then mm-hmm. out of irregular unions, everybody was pointing to, of course, same-sex couples. Um, and the use of that word in the document as well. But, you know, when you think think of the catechism of the Catholic Church, I, and tell me what you think too about just the, it's, it's not very long. It's really only about two pages worth in the catechism of the Catholic Church. But specifically um, talking about homosexuality, actually, I think it's, it's a real... Uh, just a, a part of the, the charity of the church is reaching out with charity and with love and an invitation to bring people back to a right relationship with Christ. It's found yeah. in the catechism. It's, it's actually very, very well written. I think, um, how many people take the time to read it? Probably not enough, but it is there, but it also is very uh, clear, just like with any kind of sin that acting out on this sin, um, you know, in our thoughts, in our words, is still a sin, right? It is, and, and the call is really to repentance. But maybe just to that point, and I actually, uh, I thought I had my catechism in front of me. I've got my Bible, my Didache Bible with references to the catechism, but I actually uh, picked the uh, the wrong book to reference, but uh, I would have I would have had it in front of me. I would have referenced it right now. But uh, yeah, maybe your thoughts just on what the catechism has to say about the, you know, the call to chastity, but also an invitation to bring, um, bring people back out of that life of, of sin and back into a relationship with Christ. Oh man, David, I think you opened up like 15 easy points that I need to address in that, in that. <laughs> it's like, how do I even start? Oh, okay. Number one, experiencing a particular attraction is, is in and of itself, not a sin acting on it, acting on something that's counter to the virtue of chastity period mm-hmm. is so this is the the thing. It's like, let's elevate the conversation above the topic of homosexuality. Like, if we don't, then we can get stuck in the idea of saying, well, gay people get to do this and straight people don't, or don't get to, or, you know, opposite. Like, gay people can't do this, but straight people can, so therefore it's discriminatory, blah, 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 blah. There is a trap of the conversation not being elevated to the virtue of chastity. Instead, it can be stuck on behaviors, in which case you go nowhere in a conversation. If it if you, if it's elevated to the conversation about chastity, not only does it become about all people instead of it being an us versus them, um, but it's also um, a proposal given by the church, which means that it can no longer be um, seen as some kind of 
uh, imposition, like unwelcome imposition of the church that you must live chastely. It's actually, no, the church proposes that all people strive to grow in the fullness of virtue, including chastity, and it's people who reject it. So elevating the conversation to chastity actually can help reveal people who desire to hold on to a victim mindset. And that's an important thing to know when you're kind of navigating this whole thing. Um, okay, backing up to something earlier said, uh, I think that um, as you were talking about this, I'm reminded of this, this. Somebody sent me a bingo card. It had all these like actions that happened from Catholic people and statements of the church that were pointed towards like enhanced pastoral, um, you know, enhanced pastoral methods, I suppose, of walking with people who are navigating an LGBTQ, you know, experiences and whatnot. And some of the things on this bingo card were things that let's say might've been a little reckless, like things that appear to be like blessing same sex unions in church, you know, without, um, you know, papal approval and whatever, or maybe attending same sex weddings, which the church doesn't actually say yes or no on. It just does. The church does call us to not bring people into scandal and to be confused. So, I mean, it's, it's very hard to go to a same sex uh, wedding and it people will not get the wrong idea. So I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Anyway, the very last, square on the, the very right last square, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the very last square on this bingo card was uh, ch church reverses its teachings on same-sex marriage, or the church full and wholeheartedly blesses same-sex marriages. And the the guy who sent this to me, he's been kind of you know pushing some good challenges on my you know Facebook and stuff, and it's been quite enjoyable to dialogue with him. I I've, I just told the guy he's like the gift that keeps on giving, <laughs> because it's like I, I it helps me understand where people are at when they're trying so hard or hoping so hard for the church to change her teachings, right? And it's like, look, this whole bingo card thing, like your entire hope that this church is going to reverse her teachings on blessing same-sex relationships. And I'm not talking about the people individually. I'm talking about the relation, the couplehood. This person's whole hope is built upon um, how the church is um, expanded upon it's understanding of mercy within the pastoral aspect of how to, to, to walk with people. And so it, it points to this super important point is that there are some people who are not making a distinction between teachings related to that, which is pastoral and that, which is connected to what God has authored into nature itself. And I found this to be, you know, in 10 years of dealing with dissenting Catholics quite consistently on this topic, that seems to be something that is underlying a lot of people's positions when they're hoping for the church to change. They just see the church, the church teachings as kind of like a nice collection of rules that kind of changes here and there because it's true. Pastoral approaches change. Right. And it's even true that like teachings related to this, what God has authored into nature change in a sense, but they don't reverse. What they do is they become further refined and more clarified in their definition. And, and a good example of that would be like St. Thomas Aquinas talking about um, um, conception, right? The understanding of conception um, back in that day was limited because of the lack of, you know, science to get on the inside of the body. Um, and so there were conclusions drawn but it's not like so 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 the it's not like the principles of contraception it's not like they said suddenly uh you know 
um, a man and a man can produce uh, a new life, right? So there is clarifications and refining that happens, right? But it's not a reversal. There's not a reversal of the fundamental principles. And anyway, so I just, it's just like, if people could, if we could elevate the conversation to be about how the church indeed does um, grow in her understanding of God's mercy and how this can be applied in pastoral ways. But the church also simply is the upholder of that which God has authored into nature. And so once there's something declared relating to what God has authored into nature, we really have two choices. We can accept it or we can be at war with God's authorship and so-called wrestle with our faith. I hate that phrase. Ugh. Oh, I'm wrestling with this teaching. <laughs> it's like what you're telling me when you say you're wrestling with this teaching is that you can't let go of your attachment to the idea that you have that's contrary to teach uh, to the to, to the truths upheld by the church. You really want the church to bless same-sex relationships. And that's why you wrestle with the church's teachings on this. It's great. Just reveal those cards. Reveal those cards so everybody knows where you're at. That's also important for people to know, you know? So uh, there's just so much. There's just so much underneath it all, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> I, I can't laugh because it's just like, it's insane. I, I, it's and like, I hope people read this document, Hudson. I really hope that they do. It's not that long. It's not like it's 100 pages long or something like that. Yeah, you can print it off or, or read it on your phone if you want. I mean, you probably, your eyes might hurt after a little while because it's small writing. The the, the thing that uh, that I think is important here and I think where, where I kind of stumble with, with how this was all launched, like most people, everything inside of it is not necessarily, you know, bad or there's no like reversal of teachings or anything like that. There's nothing like that, of course. Mm -hmm. um, a strong Catholic and, and even people of goodwill that are rooted in the Holy Spirit and the truth know that these kind of things cannot change. But we live in a world where there is pressure to fit in with the wisdom of this world. And of course, we know the wisdom of this world, you know, and the, and the message of the cross is, is foolishness to those who are perishing. And when we talk about perishing, of course, we're talking about not just dying a bodily death, but the death of the soul, which is, uh, you know, infinitely worse than a bodily death. And I think that it, you know, now that we're seeing a lot of uh, points of clarification coming out from the Vatican and, and I don't know if it's confusion is the right word. There's definitely a divide that this document has left in the church and with other people. And I think that just that divide itself can cause scandal to people from the outside looking into what the church is, is doing. But also the document itself to me, I think there was an opportunity there to reiterate what the catechism of the Catholic Church says. This is a sin. This is something that's serious. It's something that you need to to repent of. But here we are in the church to uh, to take you from where you're at, to journey with you, but to journey with you out of that life of sin and into a right relationship with Christ, a sacramental relationship with Christ. Does that make sense that maybe there was just an opportunity that was really missed here to to really clarify, especially for the the uh, the outside world, really what, where the church is at and that we're going to make a stand on this because we know that family life is the cornerstone, really, of culture and society and what the Catholic Church has championed so well for so many years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, it makes sense to me. And like when this document first came out, I think one of my very first posts online was like, I'm not troubled. I'm not troubled at all because I know mm -hmm. the church teaching doesn't change. Um, and then, you know, I, I didn't really see, like, I guess 
grasp how I don't think I don't think it was inside my imagination to grasp how it could have been run away with um, to imply this, that and the other thing until I saw the headlines from like the New York Times and things like that. And the posts from certain priests who wanted to do blessings of certain types. Yeah, exactly. The pictures don't look good, do they? Yeah. Because <laughs> oh. yeah. they're doing yeah, but, the opposite of what's even on there, right? They're, they're cool, right. totally they, going against it. Yeah. There was a clarification issue just two days ago that specifically says, like, it's not happening on an altar and you're not doing it. And you know what I mean? Like, very clear, right? But, but again, anytime there's a kind of a, like, I, I saw it as the, the silver lining on the cloud, so to speak, because it, the silver lining being this is a huge learning opportunity. And secondly, um, like 10 years ago, no one was talking about this. And it's like, oh, I've got so much work to do. It's like, actually, now the whole world's talking about this. So, like, thank you. This sort of aided the uh, like our ability to, like, help people become invested in actually finding out where the church really is on this stuff what does the church really say on this stuff so i agree 100 percent. this has been a totally a learning opportunity for so many people and myself too right because you know before really diving into this uh, i i i was trying to figure out like what you know blessings grace how does this actually work you know what if you know heresy is this priest going to heresy is this person non-priest going to heresy you know and learning that only only catholics can be heretics and i was like oh that's kind of cool <laughs> we can we can be heretics all right yay <laughs> but but it's like but but also not to be careful not to um you know or to say like what is like what is that you know uh heresy and schism and apostasy and it really sent me down this way of diving into the catechism and finally understanding these topics on a deeper level the short version if i could really like round this round this thought together is that if if a if a a priest for example like their soul is ontologically marked right Mm -hmm. their soul sorry indelibly marked their soul is indelibly marked so and there is no ontological change in the state of their soul existence whether they believe something or don't so the blessing the blessing is still they still have the ability to give a blessing but it's the the grace that is like shooting blanks (laughs) (laughs) and so it's like and so i guess like for me it's like well you know if i want to get a blessing from a priest i want to make sure there's some grace that's coming out of that gun so uh you know i i think there's nothing wrong with trying to make sure that you're you know trying to stay connected with priests who are striving to adhere to the the truths you know the revealed truths that you know of our faith um and as someone mentioned to me some document i think it's the council of trent i i'm not a pro in this stuff but basically like it's not just the articles found in the in the um in the uh apostles creed or the nicene creed it's literally like everything that our church upholds in the catechism yeah. So, but I mean, that's above my pay grade, right? But anyway, it was interesting to learn the difference between blessings and grace. And yeah, and I probably wouldn't have gone down this road to, to think about this. So, you know, had this document not come out with all this kind of hubbub around it. Mm-hmm. And, and to that end, by the way, I think it would be good to, there was two responses that I found to be super helpful. Um, I just would like to point people to that is that um, the Marian father, so Father Chris Alar has a good response to this topic and that's on, on YouTube and stuff. And mm-hmm. then so too does Jason Everett 
episode 99 of his love or lust uh podcast okay and yeah. i'll put the, the show notes in for sure for yeah, yeah yeah okay, so anyway good. tons of learning and grace yeah <laughs> yeah and i like i said I, I think that the document itself again it's it's not changing anything uh like you know magisterially or in the catechism or nothing like that it's just the wording that i think is really i think they could have improved a little bit there. <laughs> it's just, yeah. you know, it makes it, I was just thinking, you know, there's the one where, you know, even just, just suggesting that, that a, a same sex couple could come together. I'm thinking that if you're going to get a blessing, it should be done individually, especially if the, if the priest doesn't know the situation, well then, you know, that's something different. I was mentioning this to someone the other day. I said, you know, for myself as a guy, I can't think of a, a situation where I would bring another man with me to get a blessing. I said the only two situations I could think of. I mean, if it's my brother, I got two brothers, or if it was my dad, I don't, I don't even know why we'd get up and do a blessing. Maybe we're struggling with getting along. But yeah, I was thinking if I'm going on a road trip with a, a buddy of mine, I would probably ask for a blessing. But I'd probably ask a blessing on the car <laughs> first and foremost. <laughs> And the second situation is if I'm if I'm maybe getting into a business relationship with another guy, and we've got some sort. But I would probably maybe bless the computer, or bless the the office building that we're going to be working. I, I just I'm you know I'm trying to work with this, but I just can't envision a situation where I would be coming up or any two guys or two girls would be coming up and asking for a blessing outside of those unique situations. If we're talking about blessings, what I what I would have really liked is. You know, we're, we're as we record this Hudson, we're in the uh, the feast of the Epiphany, and I know that uh, the um, in the uh, in our you know Ukrainian Catholic kind of the Eastern Church, uh, Eastern Catholic Church, this is a big deal. I wish it was more of a big deal in the West, but even just a house blessing is something that a lot of families do not uh, participate in. This is something that's that is so important. It's very wholesome, and it's very much. I think what our Lord wants us to do is to participate in the life of the sacramentals, the sacramentals with a small s, and that's yep. blessing our house and uh, having protection from, you know, what might be the spiritual enemies that we face, the the enemies in the air and the darkness and the principalities, as St. Paul says. That's mm-hmm. something I would have liked to have seen a document on. I would have loved to have seen the Catholic Church talk about that and how we can get more priests to come and bless our house once a year. <laughs> um, I don't know, but just a, a, a thought, but yeah, maybe what are your thoughts on that Hudson? Like I said, I just can't, it's hard for me to, to envision a situation where, uh, uh, two people of the same sex come up for a blessing without, you know, them explicitly telling the priest what they're there for. And if they say that, Hey, we're in a, you know, what this document calls an irregular union, which I have some problems with as well, but, um, it puts uh, it puts our priests in in a in a tough spot, and they they are they're already burdened with a lot of different things too. So yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, there's definitely could put priests in a tough spot, especially depending on how many people are watching. But that that's kind of in um, addressed kind of in that clarification too. But uh, the thing about blessing, right? So like supposing there's there's the bless there's the ability of the blessing to be delivered with or without grace or, or, or a degree of grace that apparently from what I understand is, is actually in proportion in somehow in some way uh, proportion to the degree of virtue of that priest, right? So if you have a super holy priest, there's going to be a greater amount of grace flowing through such blessing. Or and if you have a priest that has cut themselves off or is rejected, 
um, revealed truths of the church, then the blessing is there, but there's the grace is decreased possibly even to zero. Right. That's an interesting now, point too. You're right. Right. Mm-hmm. Now state, the state of the hearts of the people uh, are the people who are asking for the blessing. Are they dis, are they properly disposed? Are their hearts properly disposed to receive the blessing? Right. And so if two people were, let's say like, never mind same sex thing. Let's just say two people who are in, in some type of irregular type of relationship who are kind of um, not properly disposed to receive a blessing. Um, sure. Like, imagine it just kind of like <laughs> i know it's an imperfect analogy but like bouncing off them and god giving the blessing to someone else really um that's how it is to, and if anyone like uh, um if you if you stop cooperating with god and god will find other people to give those blessings too right mm-hmm. and so there's that's the whole the, earlier i was talking about like the delivery of the blessings and the grace flowing from the blessing but the other side of the equation is, are the people, will they receive it? And of course, these are things that are ultimately known to the, the degree to which something is given or received will be known by God, of course. That's right um, too. But mm-hmm. it's something for us to think about, right? And, yep. you know, even the term irregular relationship, you know, like, like, yeah, it is strange. Why don't we, why don't we say sinful relationship? Mm-hmm. Like, for what reason have we drifted from saying sin? Well, is it more pastorally? There's, there could be arguments made for that, but there's also arguments to, to, to call things as they are, right? And maybe maybe we live in kind of like a hypersensitive society where like if you if you say sin and some people are they, they really internally freak out, you know, maybe that's the case, right? But the other the other word is union, okay? Now if I go to Home Depot and buy a screw and a nut, I can actually make a union, right? A bolt and a nut. But you can't put two bolts together and have a union. You can't put two nuts together and have a union mm-hmm. in that in that that thing. And so, like the word union itself, I know that's like possibly crude, but it's not a union. Mm. It's it's a couple. It could be it could be a couple. It could be a relationship. Um, you know, I could I could see a, a there's a couple of boxes of cereal. Like couple doesn't imply union. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but union implies two pieces that fit together as they ought. Yes. And so that word, <laughs> it's like, let's, let's drift away from using that, you know? I think, it's for, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry no, I was just going to say that I think, I think you mentioned a, a really good point about intent. And I think that intent is something that, um, you know, depending on, on who's asking for the blessing, I mean, uh, or, or, or just any other situation, any kind of interaction, with others and within with a priest or whatever the priest's not going to know i mean if some you know priest is traveling at i don't know he's at an airport or something like that and somebody taps him on the show and say hey father can i have a blessing well he's probably going to give the blessing he's going to ask him you know where are you from are you a catholic you know he's going to yeah. give a blessing to someone right but yeah. i also think about um about scandal and how people will you know just the 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 look of something and i think it's not just in this situation i'm just talking about generally Catholics in general, who we hang out with, where, what places we go to. Um, you know, there's there's certain things that, for instance, married men or married women too, uh, your interaction with the opposite sex when you're already married, uh, it can be in an innocent setting, but you've got to be careful of how you, um, spending time alone with someone or just giving the impression that 
you know, maybe there's something more to a relationship that's completely just a friendship. But if somebody's just watching or looking or notices, do you know what I'm getting at, Hudson? It's you still have oh, to yeah. be you still have to be very prudent in how you spend time with others as well. And I think in yep. this case, the the thing that concerns me is that it may bring scandal to other people, even inside the church, if they see that um, that uh, that this is something that's sort of getting an ascension of some sort. We're calling someone a couple when we're, you're saying, yeah, I mean, people like you and me, Hudson, a lot of our listeners would know, of course, that um, something like a same-sex couple is not a union, as we would think of as a marriage, but other people aren't as well catechized. It could be, you know, just ignorance, it could be arrogance too, but uh, just uh, that scandal is something that I'm I'm always uh, always aware of, and even not just in this situation, but other situations as well that we have to be careful of what uh, we want to put a good example forward to people. And we know that when we have poor examples uh, in our church and, uh, and I know I've felt fallen into that too, where I've become a bad example, but boy, it sure hinders our efforts of evangelization and bringing all nations to Christ, just like our Lord commissioned us to do. Right. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. We have to be definitely careful about, and it, that whole thing about ascent, like, you know, is like a blessing. Like I think it's very easy for a person to say, well, that person's, you know, there's some kind of ascent. If you're, if you know, to give a blessing is saying like, I'm saying that this is good or something like that. And it's very hard. I think it could be very muddy for a person on the outside looking in to say, um, okay, well that was clearly a blessing of, you know, the, the individual person and not let's say the activity they're doing or something like that. But I mean, it's also, you know, why bring that opportunity up to begin with? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And interestingly, the the leader of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church had a statement pretty quick after this uh, of the after the FS document was was released. I say that because I can't remember how to pronounce it. <laughs> Me too. That's and, why I had it right in front of my screen, and I just took a run at it. I'm sure somebody's like, "That's not how you pronounce it," but <laughs> but he he talked about how in the Eastern tradition, like blessings, like absolutely do um you know, they, they do imply like um like a, a tacit approval of yes. this and that so it's, there's a different understanding of blessing so straight away there's a different understanding of blessing um so these are all factors that are are playing into this you know yeah for sure and again i, I just i want people to to come to the catholic church and i want them to see the the, the truth of it and i the truth of jesus christ which is objective truth and when we have mm-hmm. these um, these hurdles or these things that can stumble or just even distractions, I find that this is more of a distraction, right? Think of the mm-hmm. timing of the document it was right before Christmas. And, you know, if you look on social media, I try to avoid it, but I guess it's given doing this podcast, <laughs> which is a, a lot of fun to me. I just try to keep a, a finger on the pulse of what's going on. But what I'm seeing is, is a lot of division and a lot of, you know, infighting amongst us Catholics where we should be united and we should be, uh, going forth and, and preaching the the truth and the gospel and and all the the beauty that this church has to offer and all the beauty that that Jesus and their relationship with him has to offer with mm-hmm. others so sure I was gonna say just on that whole thing because I know it's gonna come up like you know we're talking about this document I, I hope that everybody can come to remember and keep in their heart that no matter where someone is on their journey whether they're in, in, embracing an LGBTQ mindset or not they're 
one decision away from surrendering their hearts to Jesus a little more so that they'd open their hearts to growing in the fullness of virtue. Yep. She could open their heart to chastity, holy relationship, holy boundaries, holy friendships, holy everything, and holy possibilities of God. And no one who, who merely experiences that stuff is automatically excluded from their potential holy vocation to motherhood and fatherhood mm. and you know, husband being a good husband and a good wife, all that kind of stuff, these beautiful richness that our, our faith actually upholds. It, it, it's all about like expanding the possibilities that a person can, can, can conceive with for themselves for their own life, you know, mm. instead, instead of having them trapped inside a little box. And also at the same time for, for any parent or loved one who's listening to remember that maybe they have someone in their life that's navigating these things, you know, strive to walk with them, uphold the, the beauty and richness of the faith, try to love, accept little crucifixions as they come, and remember that that person still could become the next great saint of the church. Yes. We never lose mm-hmm. hope. I just had to go there, even though we were talking about documents and stuff, because, you know, sometimes sometimes when a focus is on like things sometimes people can say well you're not concerned about people but the truth is i have a deep love for people and i have a deep concern for people and i want people to know the love of jesus i want their hearts to be radically transformed by his love yes all all people man <laughs> well maybe let's, i want to ask you that question because we had uh, uh an episode last year with layla miller who's uh, just a fantastic voice in our church talking about attending valid weddings, right? And really for us to discern that, to be an example for people. Because if we go to weddings, not even talking about same-sex couples here, we're just talking about, um, you know, uh, weddings on a beach, for example, or in a a non-Catholic church between Catholics, you know, like, uh, you know, a a congregation, a Protestant congregation. Um, There's also a a duty for us as Catholics to speak the truth. And I know this is is a struggle. Honestly, I actually had a, a... uh, a small, not an incident, but there was a an opportunity for me to to be very frank and very um, upfront about a relationship that I had seen, and I chose not to bring it up. This is only a couple of days ago. It was in a public setting, but it would have been it would have been private. It would have been discreet. I could have said the truth of what um, you know the church would have said that what Christ would have wanted me to say. But I want—I didn't say anything because in my heart, I was like, "Oh, I don't know if this is the right time." Uh, there's also that uh, this desire in our hearts to be liked by people, to be wanted, and to not really stir the pot too much, if that makes sense to you, Hudson. But um, so this is—I'm not pointing fingers at anybody because this is a big struggle for me. So maybe I'm also asking Hudson for your <laughs> your uh, your thoughts on how people like me can see maybe there's something going on. It could be any situation, any that we see someone that's, that's um, putting their soul in spiritual peril. Um, uh, what can we do to have that courage to, to speak out or even to follow up with that person? Maybe, maybe a little later, maybe 15 minutes later, maybe the next day to have a charitable conversation with them about helping them along the way of holiness while trying to get over in our own hearts and souls of, you know, the fear that huh, maybe this conversation may not go good. I may be saying the truth. I may even say it charitably, but this may affect my relationship with this person. Yeah. Uh, well, I struggle with that one too. And I'm thinking of two people close to me in my heart. One, you know, there was uh, an example of um, uh, getting married, not in a Catholic church. And another one of, of, 
not having an annulment and then moving into another secular engagement, right? And right. the question is, two good examples, Hudson, because I'm sure all of us have faced that before. So yeah. go ahead, yeah. How and I'm still struggling with how to do it because it's like in one case it's like okay maybe there's some openness, but the other cases they might be like screw off and cut you out of their life, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, what would what would be more? What would be what would be better? Like I know that like. For like, and to what degree is it my place? And to what degree do I have to rely on God to flood their hearts with graces and help, you know, awaken them to this need to, let's say, regularize things, you know, or to, yeah, in that kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm still struggling with that. I'm just telling you. So Good. I, I, I we're don't, both in the I, same boat. And I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure people are piling into that boat. So well, let's just pray for each other that we could figure it out. <laughs> figure and, some of those things out and but wait i really learned that we really like god does do miracles of the heart so just don't yes. lose hope and keep praying and in the meantime god could be like converting nations on mm. this side because of your prayers you just don't know there's something to be said for the grace that that flows within our church amongst the baptized too and when it comes to um, you know prayers of reparation you know we even see in scripture that jesus encourages us to give alms and to fast uh, yep. You know, two things that, that we certainly could all uh, work on when it comes to uh, acts of, of charity and acts of mercy as well. And little things that we give up, little acts of reparation, extra prayers throughout the day. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I I keep bringing this up and I, I know it sounds silly to some people, but, you know, giving up a, a cup of coffee, maybe giving up the cream and the sugar and the coffee. It doesn't seem like a lot, but the Lord sees how much you like that, which is, you know, uh, a double-double from Tim Hortons or some people have triple-triples, which is insane to me. But anyways, but, you know, the Lord sees that you you like that and it's and in itself is not evil or bad or anything. But when you give up something small like that, it does mean something, doesn't it, Hudson? I'm giving a small example, but you know what I mean. hundred percent, right. Having five cookies instead of six, that's what I like to think about. But uh, no, like in all seriousness, absolutely. Those those little things, ways of giving ourselves, saying, Lord, can will you please accept this little sacrifice because I know a loving father gives much more than his children give to him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amen. Where could people find you, Hudson? I know you've, uh, you're on Facebook. You're very active on there, and I follow you there, and you got some great stuff, but uh, where else could people find you? Yeah, uh, Facebook or um, HudsonBiblo.com. You can have that link there, and I, and that's that's probably good for now. <laughs> Sounds good. God bless you, brother. Thanks for your time. All right. God bless you too. I don't know about you, but I'd love to have Hudson get in front of more parishes and more schools to talk about this great message of love from Jesus Christ and living a life of chastity and purity. Boy, do we need that message today. It's just uh, this over-sexualized world just makes your head spin, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, when it comes to the church, I think you probably saw that I was uh, kind of piecing my way through uh, this document uh, that uh, that was uh, released by the Vatican, the fiducia supplicants. I really, at the end of the day, I don't want to cause scandal to anybody on this. And I know when we have fights in the church, it can be a time of, of confusion and scandal. But uh, without a doubt, in case you're doubting it, I am completely distancing myself from this document. Uh, they said maybe things don't change when it comes to doctrine. Uh, at least they're not trying to change them. Thank goodness that there's uh, no no question about that at least in my mind, and go to scripture, go to the catechism of the Catholic Church, the deposit of the faith that never changes. And the teaching of sexuality and marriage will never change in the Catholic Church. 
but there is some people that can, well, just provide that extra level of confusion. And like I said, an extra level of scandal too, when it comes to confusion, because we are the one true church of Jesus Christ. We follow Jesus, who is the truth personified. And like Padre Pio says, he says, pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. God is merciful and will hear your prayer. So let's keep praying and let's ask for the intercession of the saints. And remember that this was a time that we were called to live in this world at this time in the 21st century. And we may not know the full scope of what Jesus is calling us to do until the end, but we can certainly live life in a state of grace so that those scales are removed from our eyes, our intellect that God has given us, our conscience, it can run smoothly and efficiently and clearly and free of anything that would offend our Lord, anything that has to do with sin, anything to do with vice. We replace that with a life of virtue and a life of charity and a life of clarity. Because you know what? When you follow Jesus Christ, things are so clear, so crystal clear. It's awesome. And again, a reminder, follow Hudson, HudsonBiblo.com, and uh, follow him on Facebook as well. Just uh, send a friend request to him and follow his work there. Lots of great content. And thank you for listening to the Catholic Connect podcast. Hey, this is our first episode of 2024. What a blessing it is to have you join us. And I hope that this year is the year where all of your resolutions, you follow through on all of them. And I hope that a lot of them and most of them are spiritual resolutions. If you can get the spiritual resolutions down, drawing closer to Jesus Christ in a right relationship with him, I guarantee you too, those other ones that you have, maybe the ones that aren't, spiritual, but they're still maybe important to you. Maybe they're something to do with staying in shape or developing better habits. All of those things too, they help us lead a life of grace and draw us closer to Jesus Christ when we have right discipline. So I am going to be praying for you and I hope you pray for me as well. Follow our podcast on X and on Facebook and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you find your fine podcasts. And thanks again. And a reminder, please pray for me as I pray for you. That is the most important thing that we can do. And if you're not Catholic, I'm inviting you to join our ranks. You've got one life to live. You got one shot at this life. And one shot is all you're going to need as long as you live in a life of sanctifying grace. And that comes through living life in the Catholic Church, coming to the church that Jesus founded and that he is alive and he is so much so present to us in the sacraments, particularly that of the Eucharist where we get to receive him body, blood, soul, and divinity. So if no one's ever invited you to become a Catholic, I am inviting you to become a Catholic. And for all you Catholics out there, we know what we've got to do to be a beacon of light to other people, to be a source of joy. To say, hey, this is a difficult journey in life, and life can be difficult, but we're going to be happy. We're going to have joy in our hearts that only comes from being in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. So we talked about the Eucharist already. That's the source and the summit of the Christian life. But in order for that power that the Holy Spirit wants to give us so that we can transform our lives and then transform others' lives as well, we got to live life in a state of grace and we got to be in reconciliation with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So that means going to confession often. Don't wait a couple of years. Don't even wait a year. Go often. Go every couple of weeks if you need to. Go at least once a month. But you know our little saying on our podcast, and if you're new to the podcast, this is how we always end them. So always have it burned in your heart. If there's one message that I would like you to have is to live life in a state of sacramental grace. And that's by going to confession at least three times every year, every Lent, every Advent, and any time you're in a state of mortal sin. Don't even spend a second of your life there. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. And we'll chat with you very soon.